0: so let's open in prayer and I'm gonna go through um, this lesson for tonight but I really want to hear from you when we're done going through some of this and um, I thought our discussion like this week was really good it really encouraged me to hear every single one of you guys talk so all right let's pray and then we'll jump right in father I thank you so much for your mercy and your love for us Lord this has been a challenge uh, with the weather and getting here but Still, You've provided for us and thank you for the safety that you've given us on the roads and I do thank you for this time that we can spend together talking about Titus and for all the things that you have taught each one of us as we've read and thought and meditated on it uh, these few weeks. Pray that you guide and direct our thoughts tonight. Uh, Give me clarity of thought and just help me to say what you would have said and we pray for everyone who will be listening and pray that hearts would be encouraged in Jesus name Amen All right. so in chapter 1 we read Paul's charge to Titus to start the process of putting things in order and appointing godly leaders and that was the main focus in chapter 1 the appointing godly leaders and refuting false teachers that were causing so much damage and trouble then chapter 2 we were applying this sound doctrine to everyone in the church And Titus was in charge of that, except for the younger woman. And we'll come back to that later. And then we see all through this book, um, that little phrase, gospel before godliness. Um, In chapter one, verse one, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. So you see that truth of the gospel coming before godly behavior. And then in chapter two, 11 to 13, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation, teaching and training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. So we see that grace of God coming, bringing salvation, and then our godly behavior and self-controlled lives come later. So now in chapter three, we're going to see it again. And as we start, I hope you can see that progression through the book, which I didn't really see until I studied it like. times (laughs) so in chapter one it's starting with the church leadership those who are in charge and then in chapter two it's filtering down into the whole body um, of Christ the church and now it's moving out into the world how we're behaving in the world okay so um, Titus chapter 3 verses 1 through 15 Um, I'm going to read that because I had thought of getting another microphone and having you guys read around but I didn't find it back there, so I will read it. But if you guys just follow along with me in your copy of the scriptures Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for the person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenas the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need, and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Okay, so we're going to walk our way through this chapter. And in your notes, um, I put a little meme in there for you. Um, Echo like that one. Being a teacher, I'm guessing Melissa may be able to relate to that one as well. Um, do you remember when people used to put those on Facebook all the time? so-and-so be like this and uh, I found this one teachers be like oh don't pack up yet we still have five seconds of class left (laughs) not that you teachers would be like that or anything but but you know as you read through the first and second verses there what are believers to be like in this world and that's not meant to be funny or ironic Um, and I gave you some things to to list what did you find there how are believers to be in this world Name off some of the things that you found there, and I'll repeat it for the audio. Um, submissive to rulers and authorities. Mm-hmm. Obedient. Obedient. Ready for every good yes, that's a good Speaking. one, isn't it? Ready and like anxious instead of, oh, I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Speak evil of no one. Speak evil of no one. Anything else okay be gentle show courtesy to everyone there's one other I noticed in there avoid quarreling yeah another good one so when we listen to the news and we talked about this a little bit last week when we listen to the news or look at social media what is it you're seeing from believers sometimes sometimes we're not seeing this uh, ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, gentleness. We're seeing a lot of anger. And, and I had you read Psalm 73 this week, and it is hard and it's frustrating sometimes to live in a broken world. And I think the psalmist expresses that so clearly. And we can really relate to that some days. Um, but we're never to sin in response to someone else's sin. And when you read Psalm 73, did you notice what changed his perspective? He was. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. His perspective. Go ahead. He saw their end. He saw their end. He got God's perspective on it, didn't he? Instead of his own. And it's hard for us because sometimes we're looking at everything horizontally. We're seeing what everybody seems to be getting away with. And uh, even just the way he describes things in the psalm, there's a little bit of um, exaggeration. You know, everything goes well for them. They don't have any problems. Everything's fine. Well, that's generally not true. But that feeling is sometimes we feel like the bad guys are always winning. And gaining God's perspective and taking that point of view really helps us to be Um, gentle in showing courtesy to people not because they deserve it but because God has asked us as his children to live that way okay and then when you read verse 3 what motivation do you see for the way we're to live what are we supposed to remember about ourselves it says for you were once foolish disobedient led astray Sometimes we can forget. Come on in. Sometimes we can forget what we were like before we were saved, and we can forget sometimes how we are now, even on those days when we struggle. Um, and we need to remember. It reminds us not to think too highly of ourselves, because um, before our salvation, we were that way, and but now when you look at verses four through seven what is our motivation for the change that's come in our lives what is the motivation for how we live the hope of eternal life and the goodness and loving kindness of god our savior I think remembering too, and it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, it's not us. It's what he's done. And it kind of brings us back into line, remembering what we were, and now because of Christ, who we are, and it helps us to be motivated to live godly, but also to have some grace for other people. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that, because it can be a challenge. Okay, and then getting this order straight appears to also be a big deal to Paul that we get the gospel before we talk about living godly lives because in verse 8 he says, this, the saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. What is the trustworthy statement? What did we just talk about? The previous statement in that whole section was actually about the gospel. And he wanted Titus to insist on that so that those who have believed in God would be careful to devote themselves to good works. That came first, and then godliness. And then, but I do hope that we notice, because that should bring us great joy, that God doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good, and he's at work making us like Jesus. But There should be a change. A change life is supposed to come. In verses 9 through 11, it talks about what we're to avoid. Avoid foolish controversies, avoid genealogies, quarrels, and all of these things. Verses 9 through 11 um, remind us of what not to be because of what happened to us earlier in verses 4 through 7. The great loving kindness of God our Savior changing us and saving us okay and that um is talking about how we live first of all before god within our own hearts and then in our homes and in the church and then in the world and we are on the journey of becoming more like christ i had you look at romans eight twenty nine, 29 um, that um, we're being made into the image of christ transformed and then Ephesians 4, 22 and 20 through 24, putting off the old and putting on the new. We're never going to have perfection in this life, but we are growing. That's why we talk about progressive sanctification. Um, and then I put in there the quote of Martin Luther that I have on my desk. I had it when I worked at Faith, and now I have it at my office. But it's one of my favorites, um, and I'm going to read it out loud Uh This life, therefore, is not righteousness, but growth in righteousness, not health, but healing, not being, but becoming, not rest, but exercise. We are not yet what we shall be, but we are growing toward it. The process is not finished, but it is going on. This is not the end, but it is the road. All does not yet gleam in glory, but all is being purified. Isn't it? it just encourages my heart every day. Some days I have to remind myself, this is not the end, but it is the road. <laughs> and uh, just even um, in little things, today I had, I made a mistake on something, and I got this really sweet call from somebody who catches everything for this particular state because apparently everybody makes a mistake on this thing. And she Skyped me, and I, I didn't understand what she was saying, so then she emailed me, and then she called me. And we had this great conversation, and I thought, the Lord has taught me a lot to be able to be thankful for correction like this. Because it used to be like, oh no, oh no, I didn't get it perfect. Oh my goodness, oh please. So <laughs> but this, it helps me to remember this. And, and I was very thankful. I was also thankful for the way in which she did it which is always a reminder, if I need to bring correction, or as we say in the business world, feedback for opportunities. Um, if I need to do that, do I do it with grace and gentleness? And do I speak to people the way I'd want them to speak to me? And that applies whether we're at work or at home with our families, however, you know. And God has given us these opportunities to learn and grow. And I had you look up Second Peter 1, 3. And can life in a broken world be difficult? Of course it can. But that verse says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By the grace of God and the gospel, we can grow to be more like Christ. And then in the last few verses of the chapter, Paul gives his personal greetings, which he always does towards the end of a book. But you know, God has purposes even in those things. As he's giving Titus direction, um, and it looks like in verse 13, we talked about this was probably a temporary post for Titus. Um, He talks about when you come to Nicopolis. But then in verse 14, again, he says, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Um, We have a terrible time as people not falling over into one ditch or the other. We can get so focused on how we're supposed to live that we can forget the one who loves us and saved us and it's not based on what we do but who he is. Or we can get so focused on our freedom in Christ and we should have great joy in that but then we can start thinking it's freedom to do whatever instead of in reality we've been freed from the power of sin and we're now free to obey God with joy. So my perspective always needs to be balanced and the word of God does that for me. And then the very last thing he says to them is grace be with you all. So I want us to talk a little bit about some takeaways from this chapter and then also from this entire book for us as women. Um, Now back to, remember I said at the beginning, um, Titus was um, supposed to be teaching almost everyone, the older women, the older men, the older women, The younger men and the servants but he did not um, get tasked with teaching the younger women so and I want to think a little bit about that and talk a little bit about that why do you think that was when we think about Crete and we think about the culture that it was um, why do you think that might have been unwise for Titus to be the one to come alongside the young women because obviously he was an able teacher right Paul sent him there He was gifted to teach he loved the Lord Um, and there was no lack in him because he was to teach the church and I want to remember right here how important it is for us to be praying for our leaders because they have been given the responsibility of our souls and they give an answer to the Lord for that so when I read that first chapter it always reminds me to be praying for our pastors to be praying for the leaders For husbands, the leaders in the home, for um, any leaders that we know, they have a big responsibility. And I want that to be an important takeaway for all of us, to be praying for our leaders. Um, But Titus was not supposed to come alongside the young women, basically because he was a man. And this teaching listed in Titus 2, 3 through 5 is more than information. It's life on life. Teaching, developing relationships, saying, yes, I do understand how hard this is. And then go on to give encouragement from what we've learned from God. And then, and we're not talking about, and we've talked about this before, empty empathy that says, oh, you should not have to put up with that. That's just terrible. You want to empathize and say, wow, that's really hard. But you don't want to feed this venting thing where nobody is giving any glory to God. Nobody's learning anything. We're just all complaining. That doesn't help anybody in the end. Um, But we want to give comfort and encouragement that comes from the Word of God. And in your study this week, you read 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. And um, Paul talks about the comfort that we get from God, we're able to help others and comfort others. So he wanted these young women new wives and moms to have real encouragement from God through the older women so as you thought about it and you can talk out loud if I can repeat for the recording why are you what do you think are maybe some reasons I had two things in mind that could have been temptations for the younger women with regard um, to Titus Um, why do you think it was wise for Paul to tell him to have the older women to teach the younger women aside from the obvious fact that he doesn't know what it means to be a woman because he's a man. Any thoughts on it? I think one of them was because um, God uses our experiences for mm-hmm. us then to be an, an example or an encouragement. Mm-hmm. No. But, you know, to show them how God has has used his word other people, you know, in their lives, you know. That's why many times God allows us to go through those situations. So then, you know, and down down the road, God can use us in other people's lives. Right. And that's one of the main um, things that I had thought of. You know, it would be easy for a young woman to say, you have no idea what I'm going through, and be tempted to reject the sound doctrine and get caught up in that whole new woman movement that was going on in Rome, which also may have been going on in Crete. And so, as you said, with that example of an older woman who has been there, who's lived that, who knows what it's like to have maybe a one-year-old and a three-year-old and a five-year-old and or something at the same time and trying to figure out how to live life, yes. And to, to say, yes, and I know it's hard, but God will give you grace for that. And you know, to be able to encourage um, the other thing that I thought of that, remember one of the things that their prophet, um, that philosopher from Crete said about the men in Crete, basically he said that they were lazy lying gluttons and Paul repeated it. <laughs> okay. So think about this with me. If here's a young woman who's a believer and maybe her husband is one of those guys and here's Titus and he listens and he's teaching the word of God, it'd be so easier to, oh, If my husband were just like Pastor Wonderful, then everything would be good and my life would be, you know, and we can just imagine in this kind of fairy tale world that, oh, if only I had a different husband or my husband acted differently, then I would be happy, which is not true, but we can convince ourselves of that sometimes, right? And it was important that the older women help the younger women learn to be where they are and to trust God. And it's wonderful, you know, um, that we have these opportunities to speak. And there are women who are married to men who do not love the Lord and they are faithful to God and they can come alongside a young woman who has an unbelieving husband and give them encouragement. And those of us who have believing husbands who are serving the Lord can also share that as wonderful as they are, that's not where my hope is. My hope is in the Lord. Because my husband's not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And there are days we bump into each other over that imperfection. you know. And you have to learn, why do I behave the right way? Why do I do the right thing? Because God has called me to it, and he'll give me the grace to do it. So we can share that, no matter where we are as women. But I do want to encourage all of us. It is much easier. Remember we talked about that word Uh, to train means to bring to one's senses. It's much easier to do that if you've built a relationship with that person. You're not just coming along giving somebody a little to-do list how (laughs) they need to straighten up. And I remember a young woman that I, and this was a long time ago and it's nobody in this church, so um, don't try to figure out who I'm talking about because you don't know this person. But she was newly married and she had grown up in town And she moved to the farm because her husband was a farmer and lived in a little house that belonged to the family. And she was a very creative person. Cleaning and organizing were not her biggest priorities, you know. But she loved to decorate her little house. And one day, um, so there was this little bit of a knowledge gap for her. You know, she knew a lot of things. She'd gone to college, but just a lot of the domestic things she still needed some uh, help with. So one day, her mother-in-law came over for a visit, and she wasn't home. So her mother-in-law went around the house and made a detailed list of all the things that she needed to work on to be a better wife for this older woman's son and to keep the house like he'd grown up with. And then she left the list of helpful hints for her daughter-in-law. So how do you think that went over? <laughs> Not very well. Uh, you know, so did, did her daughter-in-law need help? Absolutely. Absolutely but she could have come over, spent time with her, getting to know her, ask her questions. Hey, what's challenging for you about you know moving to the farm, from living in town, and pray with her, get to know her, and then maybe offer some help instead of presenting her with a list. So for all of us, we need to be building relationships with people and, in, and gently speak. We don't want to back off of the truth we want to speak the truth. but We want to speak it in a loving way so that they know we care about them. And that's why we're sharing it, not we just need them to straighten up because they're embarrassing us or whatever you know might be the motive. All right. So um, there would be have been the rejection, temptation, the temptation to just think, oh, if my husband were only like Titus and get our minds um, just distracted from our real life. And, uh, and not take hope in that. So um, basically as women, we're to walk alongside each other. Older women can learn from younger women. Younger women can learn from older women and we can hold each other up and continually point each other to the savior. So I had you look up um, some verses in Proverbs because um, in the section on the older woman, nobody likes to be called older. Everybody wants to be young. Um, and I talked about that too. That you know, women who are my age look a whole lot younger on you know on TV, and that's what they're known for. They're like, "Oh my goodness, she doesn't look a day over 35," you know. And I'm like, "Well, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on there, but you know, um, or surgery or whatever. I don't know. But but instead of being known for being a woman with wisdom." And grace and gentleness but when you look at Proverbs 31 30 it says charm is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised so with the idea that beauty is transitory it doesn't last no matter how many plastic surgeons we have on file um, it doesn't last but the woman who fears the Lord will be praised then I had you look up some verses on the fear of the Lord Anybody want to share anything that stood out to you as you looked up those verses or anything that you found um, encouraging, new, anything at all? I can't remember what probably advice said. I liked how it said um, I've got let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance. That's the ESV. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Listening. An increase in learning and understanding. In one translation, it says it's the foundation of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. In Proverbs 1 7, it's the beginning of knowledge. Oh. Um, the fools that despise, and fools despise <laughs> wisdom and instruction. <laughs> No, that's good. That's, line. <laughs> that's good. Um, and then where am I getting this wisdom, this fear of the Lord? And then I had you look at Psalm 51, 6 and 119, 160. Um, God delights in truth in our inward being and he teaches us wisdom in the secret heart. Both of those come from God. And then 119, 160, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And then John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Okay, so I know that when I was young, I thought I was wise. I was not, but I thought I was. And I had so many ideas. And you know, the brilliant ideas on parenting that I had before I had children. (laughs) I was like those young people that walk into Walmart and see a child having a meltdown. And they say to each other, when we have children, they will never act like that. Right. That's because they don't have children. And that's why they think that, right? The experiences of life and the grace of God polish off some of those rough edges and knock some of that foolishness out of us. But the grace of God is that we do learn and grow. But now, what are we supposed to do with that God-given wisdom? Go out and collect seashells? We read... Piper's little quote last week, you know, what am I going to do with what God has taught me? And God's word is truth. And I said, continue to learn and grow. And pastor used um, the illustration of Ellen Ober, who, you know, in her 90s, she's going out um, after church and saying, oh, that was such a good message. I was so convicted. God, you know, is continually learning and growing in the truth, which is completely different from that passage Um, in Timothy that talks about um, foolish women who were ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth and filled up with um, silly thoughts and foolish sins. And depending on which version you're reading, we can um, be chasing around and wanting something that we're not finding because we're not looking for the truth of God's word. We're just kind of wanting to reorient things the way we want it to be. And you're never going to be able to come to, to truth in that because it's what God says, not what I think. So one of the things as older women, we can always be appropriately transparent. And that means that we don't celebrate our sin. We celebrate the God who forgives sin and changes us. All right. And it's humbling to tell other people your failures. But seriously, I have talked to younger women, told them things about where I failed, and their eyes just light up. Really? Oh, I'm so encouraged. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) So sometimes life's going to take some very unexpected turns for you. And it's not going to be the way you thought it would be. And it's going to be, am I going to, from where I am right now, trust God I think we all have areas of life where we've come to this point where we say God I cannot do this unless you help me and we die to that old what I thought it was going to be and and just get up and follow after the Lord and he does he gives us the grace to do it and sometimes it doesn't turn out anything like what we thought it was but when it's God's plan it's better so we want to come alongside women and it may be an it won't always be formally teaching but it may just be getting together you know Uh, teaching a recipe sitting and drinking a cup of coffee and talking um, whatever it is the only thing that hinders most of us from doing something that makes us feel uncomfortable and awkward is pride and we don't want to look foolish and um (laughs) funny thing is sometimes we think oh they'll know i'm not perfect Trust me, they already know. We all are, you know, and I remember a friend of mine one time, I was I was like about 18. I was talking to him about something about growing up and I said, you know, I think in this area of my life I've been a little bit spoiled. And he goes, you're just now getting that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but it's true, sometimes we're just blinded. And God opens our eyes, brings people into our life, and it's his loving kindness to help us learn and grow. So for older women, the willingness for us to come alongside um, and for younger women, you know, things have changed a lot since I was young, but the way of doing things may vary, but there's always this seeking after something to fill my soul with joy, right? And we're always thinking it's a thing, it's a person, it's a place, and after, As we chase after those things, we're not finding it because our hope has to be in the Lord. And as we begin to learn that, you know, you realize there are a lot of women who have grown up, young women who have grown up who have no idea what the Bible says about anything depending on the culture that they've grown up in. Um, and so the whole idea of, okay, I'm a Christian now. What does that look like as a wife, as a mom? And, and to come alongside a young woman and encourage her um, but as a young woman pray and ask God to help you see things from his perspective and that's what as older women we're supposed to do help gain that biblical perspective my opinion does not count what God says does so to help young women focus there and then um, to ask God to help you as a younger woman be transformed from the inside out Romans 12 1 and 2 by the word of God and God is making us more and more like Christ I also want to encourage you to observe older women who are following God and are happy about it Now, I don't mean that they're always you know happy clappy and never have a bad day Um, but sometimes there are women who seriously perpetually look discontent and angry and I remember one time um, when I was at Um, at faith there was a missions conference and there was a family there and they just looked i mean they just had this perpetual frown on their face and i thought well maybe they're having a bad day and then i saw them out at panera and they all looked just the same and so miserable and their whole countenance and i started thinking lord please don't let them tell anybody what they do please don't let them tell anybody what they do because it just looks so miserable i'm not saying that we have to pretend everything's fine all the time, because it's not. But you can have joy and encourage young women, um, even when you're going through difficult times, and help them, and let the joy of the Lord show on your face, even when things are difficult. And look for those women who will be able to share that with you, and then gather your courage and ask her to go out for coffee. All right, so... Remembering those things that we talked about earlier, um, then the older women are teaching the younger women in real life spheres about the gospel and then how that lives out in godliness in our lives. And then I had you read Deuteronomy 32:46 to 47. I love these verses. I know this is Old Testament. This is Moses speaking to them. But I think that that is so true for us as well. Take heart to all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Now, Moses was giving them the law and he was talking to them about the blessings that they would have if they followed and what would happen if they didn't. And we know from reading the Old Testament that they didn't and we didn't, but the grace of God has brought the gospel to us. And now we have this hope of eternal life. But I love that phrase in verse 47, for this is no empty word for you, but your very life. Do we take the word of God seriously? And is it more valuable and precious to us than as Job says, my necessary food? While we're putting things in order um, in the place that God has us, we don't have the responsibility that Titus did to appoint elders, but we do have the calling God's given us. And it's important to remember from Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, that when we ignore it, the word of God is blasphemed. We need to be remembering what God calls us to do. He will enable us to do. So we're going to pray and I'm going to turn this off but I want to leave us with and then we're going to talk a little bit more but I want to leave you with one of my favorite verses Colossians 129 for this I toil with all his energy that he powerfully works within me there is effort involved in living the Christian life but it is grace-fueled effort and it's not to earn God's love or acceptance we have that because of what jesus did but that effort we have his energy that he powerfully works in us through the holy spirit and i pray that we will continue to encourage one another and then we're going to talk a little bit more about um some of these verses but i want to close this in a word of prayer and then um, we'll talk a little more father i thank you for your word i thank you for the book of Titus, even in just three little chapters, how much you have impacted my life and the lives of these women. And I pray that you would help us to live in a way that brings honor to you, that we would adorn uh, the gospel by our lives and not bring um, blasphemy or not bring evil report on it because of who we are or how we live. But we would always be resting in you, trusting in you, and living in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. I thank you again for each woman that is here with us tonight and those who couldn't be here. pray that you encourage their hearts and bless them as well. In Jesus' name, amen.